0: Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. If you're like me and suffer from insomnia, you know what? That's not fun. You know, I tried everything, I couldn't get a good night's sleep, and this is neither drug nor alcohol induced. That's right. It is my pillow. Mike Lindell invented it and he fitted me for my first my pillow and it's changed my life. I fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer. And the good news, you can too. Just go to mypillow.com, promo code Sean, and take advantage of one of Mike Lindell's best offers his special four pack you get 50% off to my pillow premium pillows to go anywhere pillows now my pillows made in the USA has a 60 day unconditional money back guarantee no risk to you and a 10 year warranty you don't want to spend more sleepless nights on a pillow tossing and turning that's not working for you just go to mypillow.com right now use the promo code shawn and you get Mike Lindell's special four pack You get two MyPillow Premium Pillows, two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off, and you'll start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep-healing and recuperative sleep you've been craving and deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code SEAN.
1: They had people infiltrating our campaign. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? People infiltrating our campaign. Is there anybody in this big, beautiful arena right now that's infiltrating our campaign would you please raise your hand that would take courage (laughs) now look you take a look at what's going on never in the history of our country has something taken place like took place during this election he's an absolute total tool of Of Chuck Schumer he's a tool of Chuck Schumer and of course the MS 13 lover Nancy Pelosi I said they're animals and she said how dare you say that how dare you say that have you seen what they've done have you seen what they're doing to us and we're taking them out of our country by the thousands out and then, of course, you have the wonderful lottery system that was started by Chuck Schumer, or sometimes referred to as Crying Chuck Schumer, right? Crying Richard. Oh, he's so always oh, so... I know him for so many years. I knew him from New York so long. Crying Chuck. Remember, he was crying. He was so sad. He got up. He was crying. He was working those tears. He was trying so hard. He was trying so hard that actually they weren't tears; it was sweat, he was working. <laughs> so Cry and Chuck wanted to have a lottery system. They give it a lottery. You pick people. Now, let me ask you, so these countries that are sending people in, do you think they're sending us their finest? Yeah. You think they're sending us? So we get the lottery. So they put names and we pick the names and they come in. And then we wonder why we have problems. We're not going to be a stupid country anymore. We've stopped it. We're not going to be. And you can say what you want, but I think border security and security general is a great issue for the Republican Party. I think it's a great issue, not a bad issue. And then, of course, repeal and replace Obamacare. Well, We had it done, folks. It was done. And then early in the morning, somebody turned their hand in the wrong direction. That cost our country a lot. That was a very, very terrible thing that happened that night. That was a very terrible thing. That cost our country $1 trillion in entitlement saving that nobody would have known. It would have given us a good health care plan, and that cost us a lot. And nobody knew that was going to happen because we had it done, repeal and replace. And the person that voted that way only talked repeal and replace. He campaigned on it. So I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this, forget that. We are coming up with great health care. Our Secretary of Labor is coming out with a plan in two weeks, association plan, gonna be great. Our Secretary of Health, Alex, we have Alex Acosta, you know that? I have my two Alexes. Both my Alexes are coming out with plans that are phenomenal plans, phenomenal plans. Alex Azar, Alex Acosta, and they'll be out over the next four weeks. It's gonna cover a tremendous amount of territory, plus, in the tax cuts, what did we get? The individual mandate is out the window. That was the most unpopular part of Obama. So unconstitutional.
0: You know, I wanted to play a lot of that. Glad you are with us. That was the president, Nashville, Music City, last night at his rally. He, it, it is an amazing thing to watch. You are literally watching the transformation of the... How politics works, how the country can be governed, the establishment contorting and just they don't know how to deal with this this force of nature, iconoclastic, truthful, combative, uh, goal oriented president. They don't understand him. They don't want to understand him. They never thought he could win. He won. They never thought he'd be the nominee. He won. And the fact that he fights and fulfills promises is refreshing and never gets credit for it. But um, what I took out of this, I took a lot of things out of the president's rally last night, but not the least among them is, you know, look at what he just said on health care. Yeah, we got rid of the individual mandate. Now we're going for the rest of it. That doesn't sound like somebody that is retreating. You know, think in your mind, if you can think of another Republican that is forcefully saying we need to keep that promise. Remember, it was Senator McCain. We, Senator McCain would have promised the people of Arizona, and God bless him. I, I know he's not doing well, and we wish him the best, obviously. But he didn't, he didn't keep his promise. And he should have kept his promise because that was the difference. But it's not over. And, you know, the president very wisely, as we now head into these these all-important midterms, I think this is going to be the most important midterm in American history. I truly believe that with all my heart. And, uh, you know, and the president, he also, he gives an explanation. You know, everybody would say, how's he going to make Mexico pay for the wall? Well, I remember asking him repeatedly, well, then you don't expect them to write you a check. And he'd say, no, not at all. I say, but we have such horrible trade deals. By the time I, I get done renegotiating them all, it's going to more than pay for the wall. And if Congress would do these simple things that he's put them in a position, they've given us the biggest tax cuts, more deregulation, or, you know, eliminating the burden of government, the stranglehold the government has on businesses in this country that makes us less competitive, Negotiating new trade deals that, you know, the president literally inviting multinational corporations and, and investment into this country, personally making calls to companies saying, build your factories here. And the environment for business is never going to be better. We're now heading up to four million new jobs have been created, m- fewer millions, fewer on food stamps and in poverty. Those were all issues that I raised all throughout 2016. And now he's saying, let's take it a step further. Let's get a new health care plan done. Let's finish it. He announced a new plan is going to be coming out in a few weeks, working with the Republicans in Congress. Imagine if they get that done before November. That's huge. That's that's his leadership more than, you know, the, certainly the weak, pathetic, spineless Republicans that just are afraid of everything. Should I support Trump or shouldn't I support Trump? I don't, I, yeah, like, how about you just keep your promises? How about you just think of your constituents, forget about if you get reelected, do the right thing. The best thing for your political career is to keep your promises to people, because then you can say, I kept my word and here's what I plan to do next. You know, the same thing on building the wall because it's a national security priority needs to be for the country and how that's going to happen. And the president, rightly, I mean, Democrats, think of this, in February, they had a 17-point lead in the generic ballot polling. And he said last night, they're lousy politicians. They're lousy on policy. You know, they want open borders. And uh, that is a 75-25 issue. And, it's, and Democrats, it doesn't matter if, if somebody is running and saying Claire McCaskill's not going to caucus Ever with the Republicans for the next five and a half years if she's reelected neither is Joe Manchin neither is Heidi Heitkamp you know they're going to say whatever they need to say they'll vote whatever way they need to vote this year to make it seem like they're more moderate when they're not the Democrats almost a hundred percent go along with whatever Chuck Schumer tells them to do and the president saying, you know, he was talking about Marsha Blackburn has always been a friend of this program. And you got a, a liberal governor of, of Tennessee that, I, you know, that's in the race and it's going to be somewhat tough. By the way, did you see the boos of Bob Corker last night when he got introduced? Boo. And it was loud. You know, how you imagine any Republican. And we'll talk about this with. You know, later on, as we talk about the Roseanne issue, nobody's going to defend what Roseanne said. Roseanne doesn't defend what Roseanne said. Roseanne said nobody should defend what I said. And it's, it's, you know, we've got to come together at some point as a country. You know, one of the things that will unite this country more than anything? Opportunity, fiscal, economic, opportunity and prosperity. And also, I think a certain amount of everybody's got to understand that we're all in this together. This country is going to succeed or fail, sink or swim. It's going to be every one of us together. We're either going to save this country, make this country better, or it's going to descend. This is my greatest fear about this witch hunt. And the Democrats, you know, they're real agendas. They want to impeach the president. They want to raise your taxes. They're saying it, but they won't say they want to impeach him. They're literally behind closed doors. Just don't say it. We'll do it, but just don't say it. So they're so dishonest, full of lies and that the Democrats they don't want to, they don't want to change health care. They want Obamacare. They don't want to build a border wall. They believe in open borders. We know all of that, and we know that, for example, if the Democrat that's running in Tennessee were to win Bob Corker's seat, that as the president said, he'd be a tool of Chuck Schumer, and of course Nancy Pelosi, the MS13 lover, which I thought was one of the funniest lines of the night. You know, but there's so much. You know, the, the think about this: what other president? is willing to go out we haven't even mentioned his foreign policy success he made a promise to get out of the Iranian deal we're out everybody's so dumb in the media they don't even they don't even understand negotiation and when the president is able to get North Korea to stop firing missiles over Japan threatening Guam the region and the entire world and hitting New York and and Boston with missiles nuclear missiles Bill Clinton said Uh, This is a good deal for the American people. I'm bribing Kim Jong-un, and he agreed he's going to be a good person, okay? He's going to be a a good little dictator. Well, that didn't work out either. But he's... So what do we get so far? No missiles being shot over Japan. No threat to Guam. No threat to the continental United States. Uh, Real negotiations about denuclearization of the entire Korean Peninsula. Then we've got... On top of that, three hostages released. I didn't know until last night. Do you know 17 hostages? We had another one, two released from Venezuela over the weekend. There were 17 so far released since he's been president. I don't know why we don't make a bigger deal about that. Then the Iranian deal. You know, I mean, the world will be a safer place. To be a Democrat today, you've got to hope Trump fails. But if Trump fails, the world's less safe. If Trump fails, more people are in poverty on food stamps and out of the labor force. If Trump fails, we are a weaker country. We hand off to our children and grandchildren, we hand off a country that's worse off. It's unbelievable. alright hundred nine four one. Sean is our number. You want to be a part of the program. The president was on a tweet storm today as it relates to Jeff Sessions and some other things. I'll get to that when we get back. We have Sarah Carter. The spy gate is real. The media lying to you over that. We'll talk a little bit more about um, Roseanne Barr. Nobody, she even said, I'm not defending it. You know, we'll also talk about, okay, well, ABC, they still have, should we now examine their standards as it relates to other people? Putting the Roseanne Barr issue aside. Keith Oberman, Alec Baldwin. Wanda Sykes, Jimmy Kimmel. You know, a lot of questions we can raise here. With
2: only a kite, a house key, and wet hemp string, Benjamin Franklin captured lightning in a bottle. Over 260 years later, with a little resourcefulness, ingenuity, and grit, we're not only capturing energy from the sun and wind, we're storing it. Ensuring Americans have the energy they need whenever they need it. Learn more about the nation's leader in energy storage at NextEraEnergy.com.
3: I think we have to turn it into a teaching moment. I'm fine. I'm worried about all the people out there who don't have a circle of friends and followers who come right to their defense. The person who's walking down the street, minding their own business, and they see somebody cling to their purse or want to cross the street, or every black parent I know who has a boy who has to sit down and have a conversation, the talk, as we call it. And as you say, those ordinary... examples of racism that happen every single day. And I think that's why I'm so glad to be here this evening talking with all of you. I wonder if you agree. Do you feel like um, this president has set a tone that has made people feel increasingly empowered to say those kinds of things? Well, this is what I think, Chris. I think tone does start at the top. And we like to look up to our president and feel as though he reflects the values of our country. But I also think every individual citizen has a responsibility, too. And it's up to all of us to push back. Our government is only going to be as good as we make it be. Hours later, ABC canceled her show, saying Roseanne's comments were "quote abhorrent, repugnant, and inconsistent uh, with our values." You think they did the right thing? I do, and I want to mention that Bob Iger, who's the CEO of Disney, called me uh, before the announcement. He apologized. He said that he had zero tolerance for that sort of racist, bigoted comment, and he wanted me to know before he made it public that he was canceling his show. And so I appreciate the did that. So
4: I have an aversion to the use of the word spy, but let's just uh, for the sake of discussion use that term which conventionally means the use of tradecraft using a, a Formally trained case officer who would mask identity who would attempt to recruit So none of the classical attributes of spycraft, spy craft if I can use that term were present here This is the most benign form of information gathering so to characterize it as a spy or spygate is of course part of the narrative and it's directly antithetical to what I actually said. At various times Trump has seemed attracted to, the, to conspiracy theories um, there's the obviously much remarked upon uh, looseness with the truth and and, and the lies etc cetera, etc cetera. but these these the, the obsession with conspiracy theories and tall tales as you say Joe dates back for a long time I think the the, the point right now though is that he's using them to a particular kind of political effect Hi
0: right, 25 till the uh, top of the hour 800-941 Sean toll free telephone number things in the country are just changing and the paradigm i think for the presidency and this is the hardest thing that i think everybody in the media and left wingers have a hard time grasping is that in many ways politics is being redefined in the sense that they have failed on such a spectacular level both parties that you know the country is looking for a disruptor an iconoclast And somebody that's going to roll up their sleeves, fight the establishment in the swamp and get things done. And that's what they're not factoring in. And that's why it is such a it is a a threat to all things swamp. And that even means Republicans in some ways, because, you know, a lot of them, they're just afraid of their own shadows and all the backroom meetings and all the uh, smoke filled rooms. You know, those days are going to be long gone now and the days that politicians make promises and are held accountable that that will be the new era. Well, this president is more crude, Mr. Hannity. This president tweets. Um, the American people seem to be responding pretty well to the success of the administration. The policies work. The country is running better. The economy's getting better. America is stronger, not looks, it is stronger on the world stage. You know, vast, vast improvements. All right, so we also have today coming up, we have uh, investigative reporter Sarah Carter, David Schoen are going to join us. You know, we had on last night, we had on Caputo and Sam Clovis, Michael Caputo and Carter Page, who was on radio yesterday. You know, in the case of, of all three of them, they're victims of what is now known officially as Spygate. And that is, yeah, there were spies within the Trump campaign. You know, the the strange thing when you look at this timeline is it's it's very telling. So Comey's paying attention to Carter Page and he's got a commencement speech that he's accepted in Russia. And as we learned from Carter Page on the show yesterday, what that? Well, he's worked with the CIA, the intelligence community, the FBI on multiple occasions. And when he has gone abroad, they he gets back and they debrief him. And I asked him, why do you allow the debriefing? Because I want to help my country. I love my country. So they're very aware of who Carter Page is. So if it's such a concern of Comey, one has to ask the question, why didn't Comey just go, or somebody from the FBI, or somebody in the CIA, or somebody in the intelligence community? Remember, Donald Trump and Carter Page never met. You know, nobody knows who George Papadopoulos was. Nobody knows who the guy is. Why didn't they just go to the Trump campaign and say, um, we're keeping an eye on this guy because he's going to Russia. We want you to be aware of it. It's sort of like here you got Donald Trump, never runs for office before, and says to Comey, so you're my guy. You're my, you're my FBI director. Okay. Uh, that The president hasn't been immersed in this political world. Oh, well, Comey needed to say, sir, you, yes, I'm your FBI director, but just know that there's a big wall between the Department of Justice and the executive branch, even though he really is the executive of the executive branch, which raises a whole series of other questions that nobody's really talking about, and um, and that the president really is in charge of all of this stuff. But but there is that line appropriately so. That exists. You know, when the New York Times came, came out late last night, oh, Mueller is now investigating a meeting of March 2017 and Donald Trump confronted Jeff Sessions over his decision to recuse himself, Uh, it was the second, it was his first day on the job after being confirmed. So ostensibly, his own attorney general, his first day on the job, took himself out of what is the biggest, most important legal issue that is facing the administration. And it has had massive ramifications. And, by the way, you know, we have discussed repeatedly with lawyers on this program, he can, Jeff Sessions, unrecuse himself in this case, and that might have come up in all this. Now, here's here's the problem. This is how desperate Mueller is, and what a waste of time this probe is if you needed any more information. You know, it is perfectly reasonable for a president to have a conversation— with a department head when he wasn't given a heads up and the idea that he can't have that conversation is ridiculous. And, you know, where is any evidence of any corrupt purpose here as the statute would require? And the president has made a point sessions. Actually, when he recused himself, gave out the wrong law, the wrong regulation, as a defense of his recusal and by the way it calls for a recusal Greg Jarrett has broken this down for us many times it calls for a recusal in criminal cases not counterintelligence cases Rudy Giuliani put out a statement unrecused doesn't mean bury the evidence it means take responsibility for it and handle it correctly and you know we pointed out on tv last night that the president has the constitutional authority to tell anybody in the justice department what it what what to do or not do the president can tell the attorney general i want you to prosecute this person i want you to investigate this person i want you to do this and that and then greg jarrett pointed out robert E. lee other confederate generals were indicted for treason After the Civil War, President Andrew Johnson directed the U.S. attorney in Virginia to stop and abandon those prosecutions, and he was authorized to do so. So there's some history here. You know, but all of this, you know, is where the country is. You got a disruptor, an iconoclast, that is keeping promises and the country's benefiting. Why do you think more and more people, a majority of people, now see that this is a partisan witch hunt by Mueller. And, you know, by the way, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that finally people, it's taken a long time to get people to see how it was, this merry band of Democratic donors. There's never been any evidence of collusion, nor is collusion a crime. You know, the only evidence that we now know is now we got spies in the campaign. Then we got FISA court judges lied to. You talk to the guy, the Trump campaign associate. We talked to him here yesterday. You know, then you have the issue. And again, unbeknownst, unbeknownst to the New York Times, revealing a big important factor in their wrong timeline as it relates to the origins of this investigation. Immediately after they, of course, put the fix in for Hillary as it relates to the crime she committed, right after that, they began, you know, they went to Great Britain to meet with Christopher Steele, et cetera, et cetera. And we know that in all of these cases that, you know, if they had to negotiate with the Australian consulate, that means that John Kerry knew. And remember, for the FBI to interview this Australian diplomat that was out drinking Downer with, with Papadopoulos and Kerry knew, that means Obama knew from the get-go, from the beginning, What did they know? When did they know it? Wherever we're going to get to truth, those questions need to be asked of those people. And Brennan. And Clapper. And Susan Rice. And Valerie Jarrett. And uh, Samantha Powers. Ben Rhodes. And the rest of them. You know, Comey's FBI, using both wiretaps that were illegal because the bulk of information presented to the FISA judges was the Hillary Clinton bought and paid for dossier, paid for money funneled through a law firm to Fusion GPS to hire a foreign national to use phony Russian government sources that creates a dossier that's then presented to a FISA court and it's never verified or corroborated and they never tell that Hillary paid for it. Okay, that violates every part of the FISA law and FBI protocols and judges were lied to and they were lied to repeatedly. Of course, Rod Rosenstein signed off on the last Pfizer warrant. Now we got spies. Now, the media is saying over and over and over and over again that they're informants. They're not spies. They're informants. And anyway, you know, it's just an amazing thing that we're living through this as a country. And the prosecution, literally, and the persecution of Trump continues with Robert Mueller's special counsel probe, illegally appointed based on an illegal leak by an FBI director that has an agenda. And Mueller literally destroys the credibility, the integrity of his own investigation. You know, which is exactly why a majority of Americans believe the investigation is politically motivated. The latest CBS poll even shows that. You know, was the FBI the Obama administration spying on Trump? Of course it was. Greg Jarrett pulled out the simple dictionary d- definition of spying yesterday. The simple dictionary definition. Look up "spy" in the Thesaurus. Quote: secret or undercover agent. Okay, who was talking to Sam Clovis and Michael Caputo? And talking to Carter Page and others. What was he seeking? Information. And Papadopoulos. What did you know about the Russians leaking the Clinton emails, etc., etc., etc.? You know, so if that's the legal definition, secret or undercover agent, well, there were spies in the campaign of Donald Trump. Where were the spies in Hillary's camp? And then you got the FISA warrant, which I just outlined in great detail. And the media, you know, they're quibbling like Bill Clinton, it all depends what is is over the semantics of the word spy versus informant when they know darn well it was a spy. And they have been complicit from the beginning. They have perpetuated lie after lie after lie. Every Russia collusion canard and every single step of the way and their disappointment, and they didn't find any evidence. The only evidence that we have is the boomerang evidence that I've talked about. That's all coming back on them. They're the ones that paid for Russian lies and propaganda. They're the ones that put together lies to manipulate the American people. They're the ones that lied to a FISA court. They're the ones that abused surveillance and unmasking at a rate we had never seen in this country's history by 350% in a one-year period of time 2016 you think this is an accident when do we have a un ambassador requesting and unmasking a day of an american citizen they're the ones that worked to free hillary they're the ones that wanted an insurance policy it's not rank and file fbi but it is the top echelon of law enforcement doj fbi a few bad apples for sure, but a few powerful bad apples and a few powerful bad apples uh, that exist, you know, all throughout this deep state that we always discuss here on, on, on the program in the Justice Department in the FBI, you know, political operatives in the Obama campaign. No one's been charged with this ridiculous, fictitious crime of collusion. That's not happened to, up to this point. You know, and I, the Judge Ellis was so powerful that, that what they're doing with going back in the Manafort case, or, you know, we now know that the FBI didn't even think that General Flynn lied. Why is he charged and forced into signing an agreement that he lied, except probably they were threatening to go after his own son? It's unbelievable. General. That's the thanks you get. They didn't think you were lying, but you better sign this or we're going to go after your kid. Well, every father's going to dive on that sword for their child. It's just a fact. That's the world we live in. Or You know, Ellis saying, well, they're only putting the screws to Manafort so that they, they're going back to a tax case from 2005 to pressure him to sing or maybe compose because the, the goal is to obviously get information from Manafort so they can prosecute or impeach the president. It's unbelievable. I can't believe that this is our country. Why do you think I keep saying it's the biggest abuse of power scandal ever? And, you know, the president tweeting about Jeff Sessions today, the president sadly is right. If Jeff Sessions, who cited the wrong law, which is oh frustrating as a reason for his recusal, had he not done it, we're not here. But here's what I know. We expect that the IG report is probably out late next week and that following the IG report, there will be follow-up committee hearings in the House and Senate, apparently with FBI witnesses. I keep saying the FBI rank and file, the CIA intelligence community rank and file are going to be the ones that hold these deep state actors in the upper echelon accountable. And what they're doing is extraordinarily brave. All right, so much coming on, uh, going on today. 800 941 you want to be a part of this extravaganza? We just saw our friend Herschel Walker was uh, at the White House, the fitness board of the president. We love Herschel on this program. He's amazing. Uh, all right, so we've got Sarah Carter, investigative reporter. we got David Schoen. we got all the—we'll the, go through how wrong the New York Times is and the issue of why these were spies by definition— It's just a fact. And uh, also we have Luke Rosiak with the very latest on what's going on with Debbie Wasserman uh, Schultz and the Awan scandal. That is at risk of dying. We'll explain that more.
5: This uh, informant, this person that they planted, tried to plant into the campaign, and even into the administration, if you believe Axios, he's not the only person that came at the campaign, and the FBI is not the only Obama agency that came at the campaign. I know because they came at me, and I'm looking for clearance from my attorney to reveal this to the public. This is just the beginning. You're approached
0: by this guy. What did he say to you? What did he want from you?
6: The I think what he really wanted was he used uh, he used Carter Page as the uh, as a person to gain access to a meeting with me, and we met on the first of September in 2016 in uh, Washington D.C. area, and I think he used me to uh, create uh, an introduction to George Papadopoulos, and I did not know that this individual uh, subsequently met with George. Uh, I have had no idea about that, but our meeting was uh, was totally innocuous. It was so innocuous that I didn't report it. Up the, uh, the the chain of command at all, and I didn't think anything of it. In fact, I've never opened uh, yeah, he was saying, uh, any oh, of I the attachments were, I, I that was were a sent policy
0: guy in three campaigns.
6: I, I want Trump to win. He's right. presenting himself, but meanwhile, he right. wants information from you. Fair statement. Well, he wanted no. He didn't gather, try to get any information from me. I think what this meeting was about was that uh, the use me as a way to get an introduction to George. He wanted to go to George Papadopoulos, and I think, and he, and he used Carter Page to get to me, and then he used me to get to George. And I really think that was the whole chain of the whole chain of events there, because I really think what the the goal was was to create a a linkage between uh, an affiliate of the Trump campaign back to those emails and in in order to create more probable cause, to create more probable cause for FISA warrants, and then also to help uh, create a a scandal. And I really do think that was the intent intent and purpose of what this individual was about. Well,
5: I I believe I got at least two and, and, and perhaps more approaches by, uh, by individuals who were trying to offer information to the campaign that would have jammed us up in some way, shape, or form. I mean, it's very clear that Sam and, and Carter were both uh, approached by a spy. I don't care what they call the spy. I mean, human intelligence or whatever. You know, back here in Buffalo, you can call it, uh, you know, elongated uh, cylindrical semolina, but we still call it spaghetti here. <laughs> a spy is a spy is a spy. Yeah. And, and that's what it is. And I'll tell you, it, it, they've done more than this. They had to have done more than what they did with Sam and, Clo- oh, and Sam and, and Carter. They had to do a lot more. I mean, They had people infiltrating
1: our campaign. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? People infiltrating our campaign. Is there anybody in this big, beautiful arena right now that's infiltrating our campaign? Would you please raise your hand? That would take courage, huh? (laughs) No you take a look at what's going on. Never in the history of our country has something taken place like took place during this election.
4: I have an aversion to the use of the word spy, but let's just, uh, for the sake of discussion, use that term which conventionally means the use of tradecraft, using a, a formally trained case officer who would mask identity, who would attempt to recruit. So none of the classical attributes of, of spycraft, if I can use that term, were present here. This is the most benign form of information gathering. So to characterize it as, as a spy or spygate is of course, part of the narrative, and it's directly antithetical to what I actually said. At various times, Trump has seemed attracted to, the, to conspiracy theories. Um, there's the, obviously much remarked upon uh, looseness with the truth and, and, and the lies, et cetera, et cetera. but these these the, the obsession with conspiracy theories and tall tales, as you say, Joe, dates back for a long time. I think the, the, the point right now, though, is that he's using them to a particular kind of political effect.
0: All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Write down our toll free number. It's 800 941 Sean if you want to be a part of the program. All right, so I played Sam Clovis. He's a victim of Spygate, and the FBI used him to get to George Papadopoulos. Then Michael Caputo, remember, he was in the process of having to sell his house until he put a GoFundMe page up, and, and people helped pay some of his legal bills. And he says at least two spies approached him. The president saying Spygate is unprecedented in our country's history and uh, mentioned it in his rally last night. And then you have the media downplaying it all. Well, they're not spies. They're informants. As we told you last night on TV, it's the same thing. Investigative reporter Sarah Carter is with us. Uh, Fox News contributor David Schoen, who is a criminal and civil liberties attorney. Thank you both for being with us. Uh, David, let's go to the legal side of all of this. Is there a difference between an informant and a spy based on what we know this informant spy was doing with Clovis and Caputo and Carter Page?
7: Not in this context. It's absolute baloney uh, what one of the speakers said earlier, that a spy generally refers to someone trained in spycraft, etc. That's not how the term came about. The term came about from a couple of cases, United States Supreme Court, Messiah and Weatherford. And generally what it means is Somebody inside already, already inside the defense camp reporting out information. I've had it in cases before in which a, specifically a uh, an informant, a co-defendant in the case, was reporting out to the government attorney-client privileged information, which is abhorrent, of course. But generally, a spy in the camp means somebody already in the camp, uh, not a trained person coming in. This would be exa- exactly fit the bill based on what we know so far. Sarah
0: Carter, let me go to you um, because you have known as I have known. And I was kind of trying to be, I guess, cute on TV by saying, am I going to recognize this guy's initials? I think I said it to you a couple of times, but everybody know, knew who it was and the way this guy went at Clovis and Caputo and the way he went at Carter page. And, you know, well, I, w- I worked in three administrations as the policy director, <laughs> da, da 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 Um, trying to convince them that he was a big Trump guy, and in reality he was seeking information.
8: Yeah, exactly. And and he was using Clovis as a conduit, right? And all you have to do is go back and and think back to the very beginning when, uh, you know, President Trump on March twenty first, two 2016, announced to The Washington Post his list of foreign policy advisors. He mentions Carter Page. He, men- he mentions George Papadopoulos. All of a sudden, Comey, uh, he, he raises his ears and says, oh, wow, Carter Page, this is a guy that we dealt with in 2007. 2000- 13 on this Russian spy case. Uh, let me go brief Loretta Lynch. So he runs over with McCabe, Andrew McCabe, and, and who was fired for lying uh, and who's been involved in all of this as well. He runs over to Andrew McCabe. They go brief Loretta Lynch. They talk about possibly giving a defensive briefing to a senior official inside the Trump campaign, and then they decide not to. And then they go ahead and they brief uh, senior members of the Obama administration on this. And then they decide not to give that... That defensive briefing again based on all the evidence that's at hand so we know that early on in March they were already concerned about Carter Page but Carter Page wasn't enough at that moment well, 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 in let time, me just stop
0: for one second so this is a guy that still to this day has never met the president or even correct. or the candidate never met Donald Trump in his life. So they're concerned about Carter Page is about to take a trip to Russia to give a commencement speech. Carter Page, who had already been an asset for the CIA and the intel community and, and the FBI. So they knew Carter. Uh, he cooperated. He told me last night and he was always willing to be debriefed and help his country out. What he told me again. And uh, so why didn't they just go to the president's then campaign and say, guys, there's somebody you don't know that we have an eye on. That might be making contacts with foreign operatives, a hostile regime, Russia, um, a hostile actor, Vladimir Putin. Wouldn't that be what protocol, wouldn't that be what the law would even require?
8: Absolutely. That is what the law requires. It requires them to let the campaign know if they feel that there is a problem. And that's even questionable here because, according to all accounts, Carter Page was very willing to cooperate. And he had sent letters even later that year uh, to FBI Director Comey about his willingness to cooperate with them on anything that they needed. And he did so in the past. So then Carter Page goes to England in July. And lo and behold, guess who he meets? Stefan Halper. And Stefan Halper befriends him there, and they talk. And he continues to talk to him. And then later on in that year, and this is where Sam Clovis comes into the picture, he meets with Clovis. And Clovis
0: is very strange. And this is is in August of 2016, just to give people the timeline. Okay, go ahead.
8: In August of 2016, exactly, he meets with Sam Clovis here in Washington, D.C. He sits down with him. He has a meeting. And he never once mentions, Halper, never once mentions to Clovis, that he had already been talking to Carter Page. And that, I think, is very interesting. And I think Clovis brings up a really good point there. Instead, he brings up George Papadopoulos, right? He starts poking around at that. And then a few days later, Halper emails... And
0: they're asking Papadopoulos, uh, what do you know about Russian emails and, and, and that they found? Oh, I don't know anything. Yeah.
8: <laughs> Well, and even Alexander Downer, now that he has been interviewed by the Australian, uh, so he gives an interview. He is an Australian diplomat that uh, Papadopoulos spoke with when he was in London, uh, the one that he apparently passed the information on to that he had heard that the Russians had some information on Hillary Clinton that could be damaging. But even Downer himself says, you know, Papadopoulos didn't even talk about emails. He didn't talk about emails or anything of that nature. He just said that he had heard from this professor, this elusive professor, Joseph Misfood, who shows up in the picture, who by the way is very well connected to Western intelligence, uh, not necessarily Russian intelligence. There's a great article by Lee Smith today on uh, Joseph Misfood and, and all the mystery surrounding him, which isn't so much a mystery. You know, he was a professor, he was teaching all over Europe. Uh, he uh, was very well connected to Western intelligence And, frankly, very well connected, it appears that he had a lot of respect for Hillary Clinton and the Clinton campaign, and uh, belonged, uh, you know, was, was a donor to the Clinton Foundation, apparently, or had done some work for them, according to Lee Smith's article. So that's very interesting in and of itself. So then Downer, you know, and all of these people are explaining what's going on here. And we have to ask ourselves this very important question. And it goes back to what you said, Sean. In the very beginning, if there was any concern whatsoever that the campaign would be tainted, that the Russians were somehow trying to access members of the Trump campaign, why was a defensive briefing not given to them?
0: Let me go to another issue. You're raising so many good points, and I know David wants to weigh in on that, but I'd be negligent if I didn't bring up this ridiculous New York Times story. Mueller looking into whether it constitutes obstruction, the fact that in March of 2017, Trump confronted Jeff Sessions over his decision to recuse himself. Now, the president has been tweeting about this all day, and uh, it shows how desperate to me how Mueller has become here because the president, as president, and correct me, Attorney David Schoen, if I'm wrong, has the constitutional authority to tell anybody in the Justice Department what to do or not do, to prosecute or not prosecute. That is within the president's executive
7: powers, correct or wrong? Correct. The uh, Justice Department, as you said, it comes within the president's Article 2 power. Um, He is the CEO of that department in a sense. He had the right to uh, nominate sessions, and he has the right to fire sessions. He has the right to make an interim appointment. There are several courses he could follow to do it under the Vacancies vacancy, vacancy Reform Act. He could do a recess appointment. There are many interesting and complicated issues, but you hit the nail on the head. Desperate is the word. This is grasping at straws. It's inappropriate for the president now to... Uh, to regret having appointed someone who cannot participate fully in the uh, process. He recused
0: himself the day after he was confirmed. Yeah. It is outrageous. All right, stay right there. We got to take a break. More with David Schoen, more with Sarah Carter, uh, more on Hannity tonight. We also have Luke Rosiak at the bottom of the hour. We've not given up massive developments in the Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, case and uh, Amwana Ron case. We'll get to that. All right, final moments here with investigative reporter Sarah Carter and um, our good friend David Sean, criminal and civil rights attorney. I mean, we got 30 seconds each, and I guess, well, Sarah, we'll start with you, and that is, are we going to learn about more spies? How many potential spies were in the Trump campaign?
9: Well, I'd
8: like to know that myself, Sean, and I think that so would uh, members of the House Intelligence Committee and members of the Senate Judiciary Committee and others who are investigating this. Uh, There's been a lot of back and forth on whether or not this person was a spy, an informant. I think that just uh, begs the case. We know for a fact that they were collecting information and then reporting that back. So, of course, they were spying. That's what they were doing. They were collecting information and probably utilizing people as conduits. So I'm guessing there's more than one. The FBI usually has more than one, uh, and that'll be interesting to find out. I think we also have a lot to look forward to in the upcoming week with the Inspector General Michael Horowitz's report. Um, That'll answer a lot of questions of what happened into the Hillary Clinton uh, email server investigation with the FBI, which uh, then again crossed over into this investigation with Russia,
7: a lot of the same players.
0: We'll give the last word quick, David.
7: Okay, you just heard from the most talented investigative reporter around, Sarah Carter, a number of facts. Those facts should have been taking place in a third world country or the Soviet Union. God forbid the day comes when, as the New York Times suggests, we should accept as normalcy a spy in the camp of the presidential campaign, a small cabal in the Justice Department deciding to send that spy into the camp, a rigged Mueller investigation uh, omitting material from a FISA application. God forbid the day should come when the American people start, stop questioning those kinds of activity. it's not a conspiracy theory these are facts that demand answers
0: all right thank you both for being with us david thank you sarah we'll see you tonight 800-941-SEAN toll-free telephone number uh when we come back we'll update you on the imran awan case and debbie wasserman schultz some absolutely stunning developments there and much more as we continue the sean Hannity show
4: That's right. With America, you're listening to The Sean Hannity Show.
0: All right. Glad you're with us. Sean Hannity Show. Eight hundred nine four one 941 sean I want to get back into we have a major problem of corruption as it relates to uh, top secret special access programming, spies from Pakistan, all within the Democratic network. This, of course, I'm talking about the Wan Brothers scandal and Debbie Wasserman Schultz, that really the media has ignored it, and we're so busy with everything else, not that it's not important. You talk about, well, Russia, 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 and what the Russians knew, and what the Russians hacked into. Well, the fact is that Luke, Luke Rosiak at The Daily Caller has been the leading voice on this whole scandal, and one of, the, one of the things people don't realize is how sinister all of this is, and how real all of this is, And in other words, if the American people and the complicit members of the Democratic Party had been willing to acknowledge the truth about Debbie Wasserman Schultz and the Awan brothers, um, we have a deadline of June 7th involving this case. You know, still no hacking charges, despite an IG report on real election breaches that took place. And in the Iran case, in Imran Awan case, it shows the Democrats' effort to rig the 2016 election with a fake Russian narrative, and it was more extreme what happened in this case with the Pakistani issue and the uh, Awan brothers, and it's, it's so bad that now we may actually lose the case. Let's just remind you, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, remember when she threatened U.S. Capitol Police for gathering evidence on her IT? Remember when she... You know, regarding this guy, uh, Imran Aran, uh, uh and what she said, you know, he did the right thing. It would have been easier to fire him because it would have been racist to race to conclusions. Remember, he had him and his family that didn't have any IT experience, double billing, and also having access to, to information, privileged information, confidential, top secret information that they never should have had access to. And then she goes on to say that she only fired him after he was arrested. And we have the whole issue of Wasserman Schultz's laptop being left in a phone booth in Capitol Hill. And it even gets worse than that. At no time did the FBI, DHS, or any intelligence agency contact me about a breach by Russia. What about Pakistan? You know, because as Luke is going to explain to you, the information from these brothers went directly to Pakistani intelligence. All right, let let's play some of these cuts, and then we'll, Luke will join us.
10: Uh, let me just be very clear. At no point during my tenure at the DNC was I contacted by the FBI, DHS, or any government agency, or alerted or made aware that they believed that the Russians, a, a an enemy state, was intruding on our network at no point and i am a member of congress who had the ability to sit down and be briefed in a classified setting even director comey testified publicly that he wished that he had gone to the top of the organization we're one of the two national political parties it is astounding that when they had a member of congress who was leading that organization that no one felt it was any more important when we had a foreign enemy intruding on one of the two political parties networks to do anything more than lobby a phone call in to our tech support through our main switchboard but how can both that's be outrageous true? I mean secretary Johnson says that DNC rebuffed the help that they offered you're saying that no one ever contacted Respectfully- you Respectfully, Secretary Johnson is, is, is utterly misinformed. That is simply not accurate. And much that has been, has been written about the timeline of events by the New York Times, the Washington Post, that document through multiple sources, including me, uh, that, uh, that the, the FBI and other federal agencies did virtually nothing to make sure that when they were aware At the point that they were aware that there was, or concerned, that there was an intrusion on our network by the Russians, that they did virtually nothing to sound the alarm bells to make us aware of that. And they left essentially the Russians on our network for more than, for almost a year.
11: Can you elaborate more on what the... uh DHS's uh, connection with the DNC was, or uh, consultation with the DNC was, after you became aware of the hacking, and they became aware of the hacking, uh, as to what was offered them, what they accepted. Was there any level of cooperation at all? Um, To my disappointment, not to my knowledge, sir. Um, And this is a question I asked repeatedly when I first learned of it. You know, what are we doing? Are we in there? Are we helping them discover the vulnerabilities? Because this was fresh off the OPM experience. And there was a point at which DHS cybersecurity experts did get into OPM and actually help them discover the bad actors and patch some of the exfiltrations or at least minimize some of the damage. And so I was anxious to know whether or not our folks were in there. And the response I got was FBI had spoken to them. Uh, They don't want our help. They have CrowdStrike, uh, the cybersecurity firm. And that was... The answer I got after I asked the question a number of times over the progression of time. Now, that was, I assume, totally different from the reaction you got from OPM. Uh, the OPM effort, we were actually in there on site helping them uh, find the bad actors. Do you know who it was at the DNC who made that decision or who was making I resistance? I don't. No. Yeah. Do you know if the FBI continued to try to help, try to assist? I have, um, I've read in the New York Times about those efforts um, sometime earlier this year.
10: Not only... as I said at the beginning of this conversation, there are times when you can't be afraid to stand alone and you have to stand up for what's right. And, you know, even in the face, you have to, there are times you have to spend political capital to do what's right.
0: All right, joining us now is Luke Rosiak, investigative reporter, Daily Caller. Look, I'm not capturing this the way it should be captured. Give us the latest and why we now have this June 7th deadline.
2: So what happened here is on the exact same date in July 2016 that WikiLeaks published the first emails from the DNC, the House Inspector General briefed congressional officials on a different hack by Pakistanis on government servers which I think is as bad as or worse than the DNC. I mean, these are government servers. The DNC is just a fundraising group. It happened at the exact same time. The IG, who was a Nancy Pelosi appointee and a cybersecurity expert, repeatedly warned the House of Representatives, begged them to get these guys off the network, these Democratic IT staffers who were born in Pakistan and had all these nefarious connections and were making access to all kinds of data they shouldn't have been accessing. She said, you've got to get them off the network. They're making unauthorized access They're breaching Congress, and the Democrats covered it up. So the entire time that they were giving us this narrative about Russia, and they had brought in CrowdStrike and Fusion GPS to manipulate the FBI, uh, and in turn got the media to write about it, they knew that their own servers were under attack, and they knowingly allowed themselves to be hacked for six months. That's how bad they needed this Russian narrative, right. that they let themselves be hacked. Why would they do that? Because if they arrested them, then it would hit the media. You're and saying that
0: the yourself- D- you, you wait a minute. Well, you believe the DNC allowed their own hacking.
2: I, believe, I I know that Congress knowingly allowed itself, it knowingly allowed uh, these Pakistanis to continue to make unauthorized access and to, to continue to funnel data off the network. Was it all uh, the
0: Democrats? Because after they were caught double billing, meaning these brothers, I mean, most of the congressmen well, let them go except for Debbie Wasserman Schultz.
2: So what happened is in April of 2016, they said they're doing some double billing. We're going to start investigating them. But by July of 2016, they said this isn't about double billing. This is about hacking. And the Democrats left them on the network. They didn't arrest them. They didn't fire them because these things would have caused it to hit and
0: the And who told the and Democrats the that, in fact, this was about hacking by and, and information going to the Pakistani government? They didn't say
2: where the information was going, in fact, because the Democrats blocked the IG from investigating. So the IG said they're making unauthorized access, they're breaking into servers, and they're taking data off the network. And they said to the IG, you are not allowed to look at what that data may be. You are not allowed to interview these guys. You are not allowed to investigate. And the IG reportedly quit in disgust over the Democrats' refusal to take cybersecurity seriously. So this is a case that disproves the entire... Uh, narrative that democrats are so concerned about hacking in fact they knowingly allowed themselves to be hacked because think about it back then in the election everyone's talking about you know criticizing trump for talking about vetting muslims and uh... meanwhile these guys get uh... hacked by these guys that they hired they exempted them from background checks. They had criminal records, all kinds of red flags, and these guys are taking data off the network. It would have been impossible to create a Russian narrative uh, with this second hack going on. I mean, just think about how that would work in the media and in the public. It would be too confusing. It, you couldn't credibly create Russia as this sinister actor and get everyone focused on. So um, this completely takes away any high ground Democrats thought they had on hacking. They they hired these guys. They didn't even have college degrees. They didn't have any IT training, most of them. Uh, One of them worked at McDonald's, and they gave them the keys to their servers. They would hack, they were told by government investigators that they were hacking, and they did
0: When did we learn that this information was going back to the Pakistani government?
2: So the investigation was taken away from the inspector general in September of 2016 and given to the Capitol police who did nothing. And I have, uh, named sources, the Awan's business partner, says that he was giving it to uh, Pakistani intelligence. I have court documents showing that they took money from an Iraqi government official who's been tied to Hezbollah and is a fugitive. And the list goes on and on. And the craziest part about it is the FBI is now uh, assisting the Democrats in making this thing go away. They just kind of hear no evil, see no evil. They didn't want to talk to anyone, they didn't want to gather any, inv- any evidence so they could say that. They weren't aware of there being anything there, but this is exactly the kind of political cyber breach that Democrats get in hysterics with about Russia. They didn't even look into it in, in this case, uh, but it's worse than not looking into it. One of my stories last week, I found that the defense that the Capitol Police. Uh, accidentally gave evidence they say accidentally they turned out the evidence to the defense attorneys instead of the prosecutors
0: i, I want to get to that point how did that ever happen that they gave it to the defense attorneys not the prosecutors more with luke rosiak uh when we get back also we'll have the latest on our top stories tonight uh, top stories today with ron christie's going to join us at the top of the hour especially the spy gate imagine if it was hillary's campaign And as we continue with Luke Rosiak, he has been the key investigative reporter as it relates to the Awan brothers and their scandal. And how is it possible they're double billing and they don't have any qualifications to be uh, working in I.T. And their contacts uh, with Pakistani officials, uh, that's all been confirmed, right?
2: Correct. It's all in an I.G. report from the summer of 2016. They knew about hacking
0: during the election, didn't tell anyone. How did the evidence... Get sent from the Capitol Police to the defense in this case, the Ewan brothers' lawyers, instead of prosecutors. How did that happen?
2: We don't know. Lawyers have said they've never heard of anything like this happening. How could you be so sloppy? We know that Debbie Wasserman Schultz's brother is a prosecutor in the office that's dealing with this case. Uh, we know that there's been significant influence from the Democrats trying to, trying to make this go away. Um, but what we've seen here is the Awans allegedly intimidate witnesses uh, to keep this case out of trial. There's a massive effort to, keep, to make this thing go away. Uh, there's a Pakistani woman who's a witness in this case because she knows where they've been sending millions of dollars. And they allegedly hacked her just recently in preparation for a potential trial. And they hacked her and they found out that she had talked to the FBI and then they threatened her and they said you're a liar, you're a liar, we told you don't talk to the cops uh, and now she says she's she's being physically threatened by the awans right. currently Let and me, is afraid to press charges
0: Why is this case the over on June 7th? Because there's no hacking charges. Why does this end in a very short period of time here? You know what seven, eight days
2: They've delayed the case six times and they say that now they're uh, trying to do a deal with him, They're trying to work out a resolution. But, you know, we've got server logs proving that this guy hacked Congress. I've got a story going up today saying that he's buying bars of gold and creating LLCs to currently hide assets. Uh, this is a breach on Congress, and the DOJ has been signaling that they want to make this go away, and we know why, because a Democratic hack uh, charges you know, in, uh, on uh, Pakistanis hacking Democrats in Congress. That would trigger the media to write about it, and that would kind of demolish this whole Russian narrative. So, you know, Trump's talking this morning, saying he wished he hired someone else for the attorney general. Jeff Sessions is aware of the server locks proving a hack in Congress. He's aware of the multitude of clearly criminal behavior in this case. If they don't charge this guy, we've got an attorney general in a Republican administration who's openly carrying water for House Democrats in a case that entirely demolishes the whole narrative. that it Russia who was doing the hacking during 2016
0: unbelievable story uh, Luke I uh, we're going to stay on it to the extent it's possible you've done amazing work here there has been little coverage uh, certainly it deserved a lot more and I think you'd be the first to say this is a lot bigger as it relates to a scandal with a foreign entity in this particular case Pakistan and intelligence and top secret information being passed on and literally they're getting away with it that's what you're telling us
2: And the Democrats want them to get away with it, uh, to preserve this Russian narrative.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, Thank you, Luke Rosiak. We'll stay on it. When we come back, News Roundup, Information Overload. Uh, Our top story, of course, Spygate continues. The president's comments about Jeff Sessions and uh, more fallout from the Roseanne issue as we continue. Our news Roundup and Information Overload Hour, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. We discussed this yesterday on the show, Roseanne Barr out at ABC for the comments that she made. Apparently, she she said today something that it was late night Ambien related. Ambien, if you don't know, is a sleep aid drug. Ambien, or at least the pharmaceutical company said, yeah, Uh it's not a known side effect to tweet out a racist tweet. I have not seen anybody uh, defending Roseanne Barr, nor should they. As I said yesterday, it's outrageous. And even Roseanne Barr said, I was stupid. It was wrong. She apologized. And she apologized to all the people that are going to lose their jobs over this, which now is happening. And uh, then she said that nobody should defend me because it's indefensible. And uh, joining us to discuss this and much more, Ron Christie. Former special assistant to President Bush, columnist for Sidewire, Chris Hahn of the ever-growing Chris Hahn radio program. How many days a week are you on now? I'm only on one day a week, baby. And how many affiliates now? You were up to three the last time we talked.
12: I think I'm in three or four, or maybe five. I don't really know. It th- th- keeps growing, and I just let the people run it.
0: All right, so you're, you are you know how <laughs> many affiliates you have. Why are you lying? Why are you being Clinton-esque? How many affiliates on, do you have? You know how I'm, many you have. We have 575.
12: I'm on in, I'm in, I'm on in four markets. Plus four. A, you know, a, so you a, said
0: three, four, now, so. maybe five. So you basically tried to lie to the audience right off the top. It, it depends on how you count it, Sean. It depends on how you count it. How many, how many radio affiliates do you have? That's, not, that's like saying, you know, what color is the sky today? It's blue. <laughs> there
12: are four, and then there are then it's also on the Internet.
0: OK, that's five. OK. Ellen, Ellen Karras is with us, female comedian here to debate issues. All right. Let me just start with some general comments, Ron Christie. And uh, and then we've got to raise important questions here about other people that work at these news networks and things that they have done and things that they have said. And and the issue of, OK, where are. You know, is there a double standard in some cases who should be fired, who should be able to stay?
13: Hey Sean, good to be with you. This is an important topic and, and one that uh, President Trump, of course, tweeted about earlier today. If you want to fire Roseanne Barr, she should be fired. Her comments were indefensible, inexcusable, and I'm glad that she's gone. I'm worried about the $60 million in revenue that will be lost. Our her co-stars, her, uh, uh, folks on the show, will lose their job as a result of this. But if you look at the vicious comments that have been made about President Trump, and frankly, conservatives, particularly black conservatives, because I know of what I get. Um, is it fair to attack conservatives on the air without retribution um, by the networks? It seems that there's a double standard here in play that they can say or do anything they want about conservatives. But at the first opportunity that someone says racism or anti-Semitism or homophobia, boom, you're gone. Let's take all of this offensive chatter off the air. And if you're going to trash our president and trash conservatives and people of color for having different views, I think they should be gone as well.
12: Chris Han? Yeah, look, I don't think anybody should ever be trashed for the way they look, or what religion or race they may be, or what sex they are. If you want to disagree with people's views, obviously we do that here all the time. Sean and I still love you, and you still love me, and that's that's great.
0: You know, love uh, is love is a strong word. I mean, all right, we like each other. <laughs> no, I actually do like Chris Hahn. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I do li- you're you're actually your friend. So go ahead.
12: Yeah, and I, have, I I consider you a friend, and I disagree with you all the time, and you disagree with me. All the time, and that's fine. But I think when you you cross a line, when you start bringing up race and gender and, and appearance. Uh, and obviously you've lost the debate if you've got to go there anyway, right? Uh, you know, The real debate is about the issues and about uh, the facts, and and if you've got to go to that other place and, and Ron Christie and I have had many debates, I consider Ron a very close friend and and, and, and we disagree on a lot of things, uh, and I would never call Ron out uh, on his appearance or, or anything else, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and it's just the way it is, uh, and, and it's not an acceptable thing, and what, what she said was unacceptable, and if people are using that against anyone uh, for any reason I find it unacceptable
0: is there a difference you're a comedian Ellen Karras and Roseanne's a comedian and you know I I grew up with um Carlin and you know you think of some of these other Richard Pryor who I, I mean I thought was one of the most amazing comedians ever you watch Chris Rock today I think he's funny as hell um I I, I like over-the-top irreverent iconoclastic no holds barred comedy Um, but a lot of people that seems that that's not going to exist in the future. Don Rickles was insanely funny. I don't think Don Rickles would survive today.
9: Okay, so you've mentioned all male comedians, uh, and that's great, but uh, it's very disappointing what happened with Roseanne, because she really was a trailblazer. She had a very unique voice with the whole domestic goddess thing. She got to the couch on Johnny Carson, which was uh, an incredible passing of the torch. Uh, so from a professional perspective, I'm really, really disappointed that this happened, because I feel like her 40-40 five year career has been kiboshed in this moment and in this tweet and to sort of expand upon what the other two gentlemen said you know I, I I hope this is some type of a teachable moment like take that breath and before you tweet or put your phone down or whatever it is, but just you cannot just Say whatever you think is on your mind. So this is really, really sad. But it's also such a dangerous line because it, Sean, it's like I'm afraid to write anything political in nature with a funny twist. You know, I don't want to lose work. I mean, it's, it's, it's bad enough for female comedians, and I'm not trying to play the old estrogen chart, um, chart. It's really, really, really hard. There's a lot of female comics that just don't work because people won't hire them, or they have this view that women aren't funny or, or all this stuff. But Roseanne was already there, and then for her to do this was like, oh my gosh. Um, but it, it, is, it is tough. You are scared to really say something Oh, Joan Rivers
0: is is another one that, that you know, and and later in our career, she got in a lot of trouble, too. Um, But, you know, we can look at ABC. I mean, Wanda Sykes has said outrageous things uh, over time. They just hired Keith Olbermann. And, you know, he's calling the president an mf -er all the time. Uh, And it's all there for Bob Iger to look at if he feels like. And, you know, I've got tapes of Jimmy Kimmel that uh, make, uh, you know, Al Franken look like he's, you know, a saint so over the top. In, in the Me Too era, and and I'm, I want to be very clear that where tapes Alec Baldwin just hired by ABC, or then you got you know Al Sharpton using the N word multiple times against the the first African-American mayor of New York City and uh, talking uh, uh, with gay slurs and all sorts of stuff. I mean, Freddie's at 125th Street. He's now, you know, a part of a race panel last night on Conspiracy TV, MSNBC. And so should any of those people, Chris Hahn, of the Chris Hahn show, ever growing, should they... You know, should, should Keith Oberman who's tweeted out all these horrific things about the president, Jimmy Kimmel now seeing the stuff he did on The Man Show, you know, through well, the prism of Me Too or Wanda Sykes or Alec Baldwin? You know, look, I mean, you look back at
12: those things and, 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 and you look at them in today's light and they don't play as well. But,
0: but, the way, way, but most give, of them, you know, well, except but, for Sharpton, they all work for ABC. You But you have to give comedians...
12: Some license, particularly when they're on stage. What happened with Roseanne was unfortunate for her, and frankly, I liked her comedy. I even like your d- show. You you're kind of dodging my
0: question, though, and I know why you're dodging it because it's a tough well, question.
12: I, it is a tough question, and I'm not familiar with all the statements, so I don't want to get too too in the weeds with your show on it. But it, you know, like I said, the line is: Are you making fun of somebody's appearance, their race, their gender? Uh, you know. Okay, you know, it's so Jimmy Kimmel.
0: Jimmy Kimmel was making fun of the first lady that's why i got into a fight with him over her accent and how she was reading a children's book and he apologized for it uh wait a minute it took it took me pounding him to apologize uh be day honest after
13: day after day
0: day yeah. after day after by the way don't get in a twitter fight with me you're not gonna win chris on
12: Sean, uh, did, well, did I you keep trying post- to get into yeah. Twitter fights with you, but you ignore me. I'm trying to get some
0: followers, Sean. Hook Well, up the problem John. is, you, you know, <laughs> I mean, we do get bigger ratings every single night than Jimmy Kimmel, but that's neither here nor there. What's your, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. What's your Twitter handle so people can follow you? Go ahead. It's at Christopher Hahn. At uh, Christopher Hahn, not Chris Han. At uh, Christopher Hahn, and I'll ask all our friends to follow you. And be nice to Chris. I know it's tempting to be mean. Don't be mean. <laughs> hey, you got to have other voices in your life, right? That's part of America. Right. You know, or you could take Bill Maher. I've always I never liked Bill Maher. You know, if you notice, Ron Christie, on all throughout my career, I don't support boycotts. I don't demand firings. I always say, let the audience decide. You know, Bill Maher has used the House N word on camera and the crowd, you know, w- went crazy when he said it in terms of, you know, they understood what they were going to see. I think if a conservative comedian did the same, it would be a different reaction.
13: Oh, they would be fired. Look, the Bill Maher show, number one show on HBO, and he gets away with saying...
0: Wait a minute. It's the number one show on HBO. I've never heard that.
13: According to them. Look, I've been on that show four or five times.
0: Yeah, my sympathy.
13: uh, You know what, though? It's very important for people like me and people like you, Sean, to go on networks and venues like that to show that Republicans are normal people, to show that Republicans are compassionate, that we care about this country, we love this country, and the way that they characterize and demonize Republicans, I'm not going to take it. So, yeah, I'll I'll wait into that. No, listen,
0: I've been through all of that myself throughout my career. I've done all these stupid shows, including The View and Fighting with Rosie O'Donnell and, you know, I've debated with Bill Maher numerous times and to me it's just become a colossal waste of time. All right, quick break. We'll come back more with our panel, Ron Christie, Ellen Karras, and at Christopher Hahn. All right as we continue with Ron Christie, at Christopher Hahn, and Ellen Karras. I don't like what a lot of these people say. I mean, look at Chris Rock's act. Is there anybody that disagrees with me? Chris Rock is funny. He is a he genius. He is, he is, I agree. He's a genius.
12: His last he, special, Tamarine, was, was amazing. Okay,
9: he's, but. He's very funny, but he definitely went in a different direction. If you watch his earlier stuff from the 90s, it was more about making fun of everybody, and he became very, very one sided as time went on.
0: Okay, but the fact is, you know, if somebody—what about Richard Pryor? Richard Pryor was all about satire, right?
12: He was satiring his experience as a black man in America, and he also satired his experience as a drug user. And uh, that's probably what made him, you know, such a genius. You know, Chris Rock in his early career—
0: What about Chris Rock saying, and this is 2018, this was reported, I want to see more white kids shot, more white mothers crying. I want to live is- in a world with real equality, Ed. I want to live in a world with an equal amount of white kids shot every month. I want to see white mothers on TV cry.
12: It's about oh. a comedian, though, no, Sean?
0: A comedian... All right, well, all, all, right, all right, so if you're going to say that, tell me what's the difference between that and Roseanne. And I'm not trying well, to... Well, to talk- if Roseanne wants to go on the road...
12: And sell tickets like Chris Rock does. She probably will sell tickets. And you don't have to answer to ABC. ABC is owned by Disney. And ABC and Disney are not going to tolerate. Okay, so then
0: why do they hire Keith Olbermann and Jimmy Kimmel? And by the way, I do not want these guys fired in any way. I don't even want. But it's a point. Is there a double standard? Look at, the, look at the videos of Jimmy Kimmel. Would Jimmy Kimmel get hired by by ABC if they looked at those tapes? No way. No, not a chance. Not a chance. Not a chance.
13: And well, look at the way they've destroyed ESPN as well. I mean, ESPN, which we I, all— Listen, look- I, people are going to hate this. I
0: can't stand Keith Olbermann's commentary, but, yeah. it, you know, go back to the old Sports Center days, and him and uh, his partner at the time, Dan Patrick, they did a great they were show. The best. They, they, were they the did best. a
13: great show. But yeah, but nowadays, yeah. I mean, he's a— no, he's a left-wing lunatic. Yeah,
0: I mean, and mother effed this, and uh, he's a lunatic. But he's a stream of conscious kind of guy, Sean. And sometimes that happens. And, yeah, but he works for ABC, know, Chris. how much of that. I'm sorry. Frankly, at Christopher Hahn, he works at ABC. A, he's under contract with ABC. They just hired him, and all these tweets are available. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he's he better. I guess. by the way, actors. I guess if we're going to use the Bob Iger line, is he hey, meets? On, oh, ABC, he meets Disney's standards. Is something ABC understood. Roseanne
12: had tweets very similar to the ones she sent out yesterday, long before ABC rehired her to do to, to, to reboot her show. They knew what they were getting.
9: They give a lot of leeway to the ladies on The View and Joy Behar. I mean, as a comedian, I respect her. What did
0: Joy Behar say about Christians? She, that they were right, mentally she's, ill
9: she said a lot of things that were very offensive and she said a lot of things about uh, about about uh, Donald Trump Kathy Griffith is I think a good example of somebody though uh, I agree with you Chris in the sense that you know if Roseanne goes out on the road there will be people that see her she's not going to lose that audience like Kathy Griffith's right. not going to lose that audience but yes she it's Disney it's also answering to the shareholders um, but Lo- Roseanne was Traditionally a loose cannon back when she had that first show. Look, I do
0: think in this sense, I look, nobody would defend what she said is outrageous. It, it's so obviously outrageous. But as we go across the, the, the spectrum, I think you're all kind of agreeing with me that there really is no set standard and there is some double standard. Didn't even Chris, you seem to agree with that. I, look, I don't know if there's a double standard. I think the standard— Well, there is, is no standard that you can articulate on this show. You can't. No, nah, look, I can't. But you
12: can't—you know, clearly what she did, it's kind of like the old the old uh, Supreme Court decision on pornography. I know it when I see it. And, yeah. and yesterday, we both agreed. I,
0: I thought Ed Meese said that. I don't think it was the Supreme Court. Wasn't it Ed Meese?
12: No, it was the Supreme
0: Court. All right. I and mean, it, was, it was— I hate just, getting uh, corrected by Chris Hahn. I mean, that is embarrassing. <laughs> At Christopher hey, Hahn. Uh, back
13: me up, Ron. You're a lawyer. You're better lawyer than me. Ron? Uh, at, at Ron underscore Christie will tell you <laughs> that Christopher Hahn is absolutely right here. This was the, the definition of what it meant to be pornographic and, and indecent. And, yes, the support did say in their it. opinion. <laughs> you'll know it when you see it.
9: Sean, I hate to do Last that. Word. but yeah. He, what's, what's,
13: right. your,
0: what's your Twitter handle? At, Greek At oh. Uh All right, thank you all for being with us. 941 Sean is our toll free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program? We'll take a quick break. Your calls coming up straight ahead here on the Sean Hannity show. All right, we'll get to your calls in uh, just a minute. Twenty five now till the top of the hour. The president on fire in Nashville last night, talking about Spygate, how unprecedented it is, and asking the crowds. I thought it was a very funny line. Any spies here? Raise your hand. And then ripping Democrats, calling out Nancy Pelosi's comments over MS-13 and making fun of crying Chuck Schumer and the visa lottery system and, you know, that he wants to still repeal and replace health care. And apparently Republicans are going to give this another shot before the election and standing by his call that Mexico will pay for the wall. And he explains how they will.
1: They had people infiltrating our campaign. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine people infiltrating our campaign? Is there anybody in this big, beautiful arena right now that's infiltrating our campaign? Would you please raise your hand? That would take courage, huh? (laughs) Now, look, you take a look at what's going on. Never in the history of our country has something taken place like took place during this election? He's an absolute total tool of Chuck of Chuck Schumer. He's a tool of Chuck Schumer and of course the MS-13 lover, Nancy Pelosi. I said they're animals, and she said, "How dare you say that? How dare you say that? Have you seen what they've done? Have you seen what they're doing to us? And we're taking them out of our country by the thousands. Out!" And then, of course, you have the wonderful lottery system that was started by Chuck Schumer, or sometimes referred to as "Crying Chuck Schumer." Right? Right, Richard. So- oh, he's so. I know him for so many years I know him from New York so long Crying Chuck, remember he was crying He was so sad He got up, he was crying He was working those tears, he was trying so hard He was trying so hard That actually they weren't tears It was sweat, he was working So Crying Chuck Wanted to have a lottery system They give it a lottery You pick people Now let me ask you So these countries that are sending people in, do you think they're sending us their finest? Do you think they're sending us... So we get the lottery. So they put names, and we pick the names, and they come in. And then we wonder why we have problems. We're not going to be a stupid country anymore. We've stopped it. We're not going to be. And you can say what you want, but I think border security and security general is a great issue for the Republican Party. I think it's a great issue, not a bad issue. And then of course, repeal and replace Obamacare. Well, wait, we had it done, folks, it was done. And then early in the morning, somebody turned their hand in the wrong direction cost our country a lot. That was a very, very terrible thing that happened that night. That was a very terrible thing. That cost our country $1 trillion in entitlement saving that nobody would have known. It would have given us a good health care plan and that cost us a lot. And nobody knew that was going to happen because we had it done. Repeal and replace! And the person that voted that way only talk repeal and replace he campaigned on it so i'll tell you this i'll tell you this forget that we are coming up with great health care our secretary of labor is coming out with a plan in two weeks association plan going to be great our secretary of health alex we have alex acosta you know that i have my two alexes Both my Alex's are coming out with plans that are phenomenal plans. Phenomenal plans. Alex Azar, Alex Acosta, and they'll be out over the next four weeks. It's gonna cover a tremendous amount of territory. Plus, in the tax cuts, what did we get? The individual mandate is out the window. That was the most unpopular part of Obama. So unconstitutional. The VA Accountability Act, nobody thought i could get it through nobody because of the unions hey i understand and because of civil service which is very powerful we got it through i signed it a couple of months ago right and now when somebody steals or when some sicko hurts our great veterans We look them in the eye, and we say, you're fired, get out of here, get out. And they're gone, they're gone. We're going to get the wall done anyway. Mexico, I don't want to cause a problem. I don't want to cause. But in the end, in the end, Mexico's going to pay for the wall. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. All right? I don't want to cause any problem. But in the end, Mexico's paying for the wall. They make all of this money, and they do absolutely nothing to stop people from going through Mexico, from Honduras and all these other countries, the caravan, all of this stuff. They do nothing to help us. Nothing. They're going to pay for the wall, and they're going to enjoy it, okay? They're going to enjoy it. They do nothing for
0: us. All right, let's get to our busy phones now. 800-941-SHAWN, you want to be a part of the program. Uh, let's say hi to Jerry is in Augusta in Georgia next on the Sean Hannity Show.
2: Hey, Sean, pleasure, pleasure to speak with you, and I appreciate all the work you're doing. Thank you. Wanted to comment on the breaking news yesterday about Rose, Roseanne Barr. As far as I'm concerned, the only true crime she committed
7: is that she's a Trump supporter.
0: No, that, well, I disagree with you. I mean, she's right. Nobody should defend these comments. They're indefensible. And she admits that. And, I, you know, I, I don't know where this came from. Uh, well, you know, I know she said some things before. I, I know she supports, she's been vocal in her support of the president. I wouldn't say she's been a prominent conservative. Just the opposite, actually, if you look at her views over the years. Yeah, um, but I'm looking at the bigger picture of her of the hypocrisy of the media and their fake outrage in comparison. I'm not going to doubt that all of the outrage over words that you see is usually feigned moral outrage. And the double standard is clear. But, you know, it's at this point in America's history, you know, I want a more perfect union. I want, you know, it would be ideal for this country if we can transcend these issues that divide us and, you know, really mean, harsh, horrible, vile language. I mean, it just, you know, look at the president and his family, what they have to also endure. I'm not making any comparisons here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, especially in the world of social media, it has changed. Social media can be a force for such good, but there's such vile hatred and bitterness all over it. It's like a, a cancer. And at the end of the day, this is the America that I want. An America that we're one nation under God, that we're indivisible, that all Americans, doesn't, regardless of race, creed, color, background, origin, it doesn't matter. We're supposed to be a family, and we're all supposed to be working in the same direction. It doesn't help to say mean things about people. It never, you know, it doesn't help to say things that are are obviously racist it just doesn't help and so you know she did do something that hurt and offended a lot of people but with that said the next thing you can say is well I can name a a, a dozen other people off the top of my head many of whom work at ABC that have done the same thing so yeah there's that's a point but you know at this we got to get beyond a lot of these issues and understand that we're going to sink or swim as a country together and that's just a fact And we have enough enemies out there that I think America united and transcending, you know, petty differences and recognizing a profound truth that all men and women are created equal. And they're all designed by God in his image. And I just think that that recognition would would by everybody would do a lot to heal the country and move the country in a better direction. I want the country to succeed. You know, it's horrible being in the media now, hating Trump or being a left winger now, hating Trump, because for you to succeed, he has to fail and the country has to fail. And you can actively see doesn't you know, this is like a a breakup letter. You know, they all say the same thing. Anyway, I just you want a more perfect union. You want to kind of appeal to our higher consciousness, if you will. And I think for America, that would be a good thing. Does that make sense to you?
7: It does. But unlike many of the
0: others, at least she did come out with what I think is truly a sincere apology. It's a good point. And, you know, that raises the questions of, you know, do you accept people's apologies? Uh, Do people get to say, oh, my God, I was drunk. Oh, my God, I was on drunk and on drugs. Oh, my God, I didn't even know what I was doing. Uh, oh, my God, I thought it was a joke. Do you, you know, does anyone get any slack today? And the answer is this is a kill environment right now. There's no other way to describe it. If politically speaking, you have a group, you have groups of people that so want to politicize everything. They, they don't want you to hurt you. They want you dead. They want you meaning if you're on air, they want you off air. They want your voice silenced. They don't want an opposing viewpoint on the air. There, there's those groups of people. And there's millions mm-hmm. of dollars spent in efforts such as that to silence voices, especially conservative voices. You know, there's a very strong reason why over the years I will not and ever support a boycott. I think that this is a matter of let the American people decide. Or she works for ABC. Bob Iger's going to decide. And if he wants to keep Oberman, I I'm not, I don't want these guys fired. I'll never call for anybody's firing, or Kimmel, or Wanda uh, Sykes, or any of these other people, or Alec Baldwin. That's his choice. The view, okay, but you don't have to watch any of them. That's the blessing. You have the power. You have the control. If you don't like it, turn it off, turn the channel. If you're offended, turn it off, turn the channel. And the way viewing habits now on television have so changed. I mean, there's really two things that people will watch live now. Sports and news. Everything else is moving on demand, period. And the choices have never been larger. And the competition's never been greater. And the way, you know, from my perspective as a host, we're just digging our heels in every single day to produce the best shows we can do. And, and you know, obviously so many of you have responded. You keep all of us working. 800 941 uh, Our number, Dan is in Minnesota. What's up, Dan the man? How are you, sir?
12: Fine, Sean. Thanks for having me on. First time caller.
0: What's going on? How are you?
12: You know what? I'm doing great. You know, it would be, you mentioned yesterday about 60 minutes editing what they want, et cetera, so you wouldn't have an interview. How about do the art of the deal and say, we'll have our cameras there, you have your cameras there, and we'll videotape the whole thing.
0: Here's a little truth it about is- 60 minutes they'll never agree to it. Well, then Listen.
12: You got to call them out. I think you got to call. Well, them. here's the
0: thing. I never got an official invitation. Let me just be clear about this. So somebody, uh, one of the executives at Fox, got an inquiry from somebody who used to work on 60 Minutes that said, oh, they want to get in touch with Hannity because they want to do a feature on him." And then I just, I just took it from there. Look, here's what happens on 60 Minutes. They take. 50, if if you let them, they'll do five, eight hours of taping, and it gets broken down into 16 minutes, maybe. And, you know, I'm just, I have four hours a day to get my views out. Four hours a day. I don't need 60 minutes. I really don't. And, you know, and all they want to do is play gotcha. And you know what? There's not a question I haven't answered. There's nothing new. And uh, I just, I know their game. Why would I want to, why do I want to help them? They did. I, you know, I'm in, on still. You're on still.
12: I'm sorry. Forgive me. I mean, yeah. what I'm saying is if you could call out Joe Scarborough, call out 60 minutes and say, let's do a real show. Call
0: him out like an old K, like an old West. Let's do a live, sh- let's do live down. to tape. Let's so go live down. in 60 minutes. 60 minutes yes. will never go live.
12: Well, this then they got to call them out and say, well, then you're frauds. You're all frauds. You're in the tank for leftist crap. Right.
0: If I get the official okay, uh, the official invitation, I think they probably have heard by now. I've been trashing the crap out of them, and I already dealt with uh, Ted Koppel's fake edited news. So I'm not so sure that they want uh, any part of me being live on 60 Minutes, which I don't think they've ever done. And over the years, there have been many people that have requested such, and they don't get it. That's what 60 Minutes does. Listen, the power of editing is amazing. You can, you can do anything that you want. All right, Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on Fox. All right, Rudy Giuliani, the president's attorney, Greg Jarrett, Joe DiGenova, Geraldo Rivera, Joe Concha. We've got it all. Everything on Spygate and the latest developments about how the New York Times lies repeatedly. And much more in the latest on Roseanne. That's 9 Eastern, Set You DVR, Hannity Fox News. Thanks for being with us. See you tonight at 9, back here tomorrow. Hey, if you want a firearm that is easier to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes. Now, don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Sean,
1: S-E-A-N.
4: Joe Biden wants you taxed to the brink, under the thumb of the IRS, and controlled with a digital dollar. That's why thousands of hardworking patriotic Americans are opting out by diversifying their savings with the top-rated precious metals company, Gold Co., Right now, GoldCo is offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver, but only while supplies last. So don't wait. Go to HannityGold.com to learn how to get started today. That's HannityGold.com.